0: Welcome to the Property Magic Podcast. My name is Simon Zucci, and in this podcast, I'm going to deep dive into the property investing strategies and investor mindset for my book, Property Magic. I will also share real estate investing hints, tips, and tricks, which I normally only share on my Property Mastermind mentorship. Hello, and welcome to episode number 202 of the Property Magic Podcast. In this episode, I'm gonna answer the question, houses versus apartments, which is the best investment? Now, having been investing myself for 28 years and owning both houses and apartments, I do have a firm view, but rather than telling you that right now, let me give you the pros and cons of both. By the way, I might refer to apartments as flats. They're pretty much the same thing. So first of all, let's talk about the advantages of owning apartments. Generally, apartments are smaller than houses, and so they are a lower cost. And so if someone has a limited amount of money, they might think, well, I can buy an apartment, but I can't afford to buy a house. This is why many investors buy apartments and also tenants like to live in apartments. Often they're in a great location with really good local facilities and amenities, which the tenants like, and it's very low maintenance for the tenants. They don't have a garden or anything like that to look after. It's also low maintenance for you as the owner. Now, when you first buy a property, particularly if it's a new building, you always need to get the initial snagging done. There are always gonna be a few little problems with the build that need rectifying, but the builder who develops the property should take care of those for you as long as you highlight them within the first few months. And you really wanna go, and I'd even suggest staying in your brand new apartment because when you're living there, you'll realize what some of the problems are that need fixing. But once the initial snagging is done, it should be very low maintenance. And normally an apartment is a leasehold apartment. That means there's a freeholder who looks after the entire building and any grounds or anything it comes in. And you pay the freeholder a ground rent, although they're looking at getting rid of that, and also a service charge that covers the communal electricity, cleaning, and maintenance as well. So it's a very low maintenance deal for you. Now, some of the disadvantages of apartments, particularly if you're buying a new property that might be in a block of 20, 50, or 200 other apartments, once they're ready and they all come to the market when they're first released, it means there are lots of properties available for rent. Now, the problem with that is that there's lots of competition. And seeing that, tenants could potentially negotiate down some of the rent. In fact, some landlords will sometimes deliberately put their rent quite low in order to try and get a tenant in worried about all of the competition. So this can bring down the rental value, particularly in a new block. So you just need to be slightly aware of that. Now, some developers do actually offer a guaranteed rental income for the first year or two, and basically they just factor that into the price. So you're not actually getting a deal there, but I guess it does help your cash flow. Now, once tenants move into your nice new property, after six months or 12 months, it's no longer a new property. It will have wear and tear, and it's had some people living in that property. It's a bit like if you buy a brand new car. The day you drive it off the forecourt of that garage, the property comes down in value. And to a certain extent, I think that also happens with brand new apartments. You're generally buying them at a bit of a price premium. Also... Sometimes you might get one investor or one owner who's bought a property within a block and for whatever reason they need to get rid of that property and they actually become a motivated seller now if they need to sell that property they might sell it for what they bought it for a few years ago and the value might have gone up but they just want to get their money back and sometimes they might even sell at a bit of a loss just because they need to get rid of that property what that means if that property is on the market for sale and subsequently sells at a lower price it will bring down the value of the entire block. That's because anyone who wants to sell a property in the future or even get a remortgage on a property in that block, they're gonna to have to get a RICS valuation and that Royal Institute of Charter Surveyors surveyor will look at like comparisons to see what are other things sold for? What are they being valued at for remortgages? And if they find that property which has been sold below market value, which they will, they might often base their price comparison on that lower price. So you've got to be careful of that. The other thing is, if you buy a brand new property, there's not much you can do to that to increase the value. Yes, you could improve the interior design and make it more appealing than some of the other apartments, but it's not really going to increase the value that much. So you have to sit back and wait for the value to go up. And that might take quite a long time. And I did mention that often new apartments are sold at a bit of a premium, even if you get an alleged discount. Uh, Let me tell you about one of my properties that wasn't such a good investment. So back in, I think it was 2006 or maybe even 2007, at the peak of the last uh, property market, I bought an off-plan property. uh, Well, actually, it was was just finished uh, in uh, a small Uh, area called Long Eaton outside Nottingham. Uh, It's a pretty good apartment. It was pretty easy to rent and I bought it for £125,000. Now, it was a no money down transaction. I was able to do a creative finance deal. I think I got something like an 85% mortgage, a 15% gifted deposit, which was allowed at that time. So I didn't have to put any money into this apart from my stamp duty and my legal costs. So it was a very low or even no money down deal for me. So at the time, Knowing what I knew then, it seemed like a good deal. No money in, easy rented out, fantastic. Obviously, I know a bit more about property now. And it, this is one of those properties which, if I had the chance again and I could go back in time, I probably wouldn't buy that property. The reason is, 10 years later, in 2017, when the market crashed and recovered, this property, like many new apartments, had not gone back to the original value of which I bought the property after 10 years. And so um, I'd had a 10 year mortgage, which was very popular at the time. I needed to remortgage that property. Now, remember, I bought for 125,000. Um, my mortgage was over 100,000. And for me to remortgage the property, I would have had to put some money in. Because the new value of that property, 10 years after I purchased it, because someone else had sold a property at a big discount just to get out, the value came back at £80,000. So I had a choice. Either I could remortgage that property, knowing it would only get a value of 80000 And because I'd have to put a 25% deposit in, I'd have to stump up £20,000 to put in, in order to get a mortgage of 60000 on that property. Um, and that wouldn't be enough to cover my reimbursement. So I'd have to not only put money in, I'd also have to pay back more to the existing lender. So that was a bit of a, a no starter for me. So I decided to sell the property for £80,000. Now remember, I bought it for one hundred and twenty-five. I had a bit of a, um, a discount, and my mortgage was over 100000 So when I actually sold it, I had to Pay to get rid of that property. So that is not a good property deal. And anyone who's been in property long enough, if they're honest, will say they've had some deals that have not been so good. So this is why I'm kind of quite passionate about letting you know about the dangers about buying brand new apartments, particularly if it's in an expensive market which it was back in 2007, and it has been in the last couple of years. So by the way, right now, at the time of recording this, you should not be buying off-plan apartments. That is not a good thing to do. You should only do that in a rising market. So anyway, I actually sold that property at a loss. Uh, I had a capital loss that I was able to offset against another property I'd sold that I'd done very, very well. So I was able to minimise my tax on the property that done very well by offsetting the loss on the other. So it wasn't too bad at the end of the day, but I generally don't like to buy properties where I'm going to lose money. But it happens occasionally. The other thing about buying apartments is because they're smaller, it might seem like a cheaper property than a house But you need to make sure you're comparing the cost per square foot or cost per square meter. And actually, whenever you're investing, you need to make sure in the area in which you're investing, you've got a pretty good understanding of the cost per square foot, cost per square meter. So you can see if someone's selling a property, you can work out, is it below market value or not? The worst type of purpose built apartments, in my opinion, are purpose built student blocks. Now, they can look very attractive because they're sold as a hands-off investment, sometimes 8%, 10%, 12% return on investment, which looks pretty good on paper. The problem is they're actually sold on a commercial valuation. Because the rental income is so high from student accommodation, they often inflate the value based on this commercial valuation, which is higher than bricks and mortar. So you should never, ever buy property on a commercial uh, valuation if it's actually residential. Uh, if you're buying commercial property, of course, you're gonna buy it at a commercial valuation. But if it's residential, people actually living there, never ever buy it on a commercial valuation. And the other problem is that that new student block you're buying into which is nice and shiny now. It can only ever be used as student accommodation. And in a few years time, there are going to be other new shiny student blocks that are more appealing to the students than the one that you own. So just be careful of that. The final thing to mention about apartments, I've touched on this earlier, is generally they're going to be leasehold. Now, what that means is there are two payments you have to make. You make a, a ground rent and they're talking about getting rid of ground rents. But even if that happens, you still have to pay a service charge. Service charge is a payment that covers the cost of the electricity in the hallways, the lighting, the cleaning, the maintenance, etc. Now, this can be very, very high. Um, I lived in a lovely apartment. It was a top floor penthouse apartment in what we call a mansion style apartment. So they're kind of 1920s, 1930s, very large apartments. And this was in Edgbaston, um, just off the Bristol Road, looking over a lovely canopy of green trees that is the Edgebaston landscape. And so it was a lovely apartment to live in for a number of years, but it was a very high service charge. Now. Bear in mind, these were old apartments. They had no swimming pool. They had no gym. They had no 24-hour concierge, which is what you often get in new apartments, which accounts for high service charges. But this had lovely grounds that needed maintaining. Each of the blocks had very old-fashioned 1920s lifts that were expensive to maintain. So for this reason, the service charges were very, very high. I was paying something like, I think it was £250 per month Um, when I decided to finally sell this property because I'd lived there for a number of years, then I rented it out and that £250 a month in service charges was really eating into the monthly profit that I was making. So just be careful of service charges that you might have to pay when you have apartments. And also the freeholder who is responsible for looking after the general upkeep of the building, well, they might not be doing a very good job. They might not be cleaning or decorating the property on a regular basis. And that also will not help the value of that property long term. Now, brand new houses uh, will also have similar problems to apartments in that you're often buying at a premium. And so you can't do much to that property to add value because the, the original developer has done that. So if you buy a brand new house from the developer, you often have to sit and wait for the value to go up. And bear in mind, you're probably buying at a little bit of a premium anyway. Uh, generally, houses are freehold, but just check the contracts. Some of them are leasehold and you might have a small annual fee to pay to the developer. Um, my record, recommendation. recommendation, if you're buying houses, is to buy second-hand property. You don't want to buy new property, because if you're buying second-hand, you're going to pay less for it. And generally, you can add value to that. Now, what that means is you can use what we call momentum investing. If you buy at enough of a discount... And you add enough value to that property, you might increase the value such that six to nine months later, when you come to refinance, you can pull out all or some of your money. It's also known as the BRRRR strategy where you buy refurbish, refinance, rent, and repeat. Um, The other thing is obviously, houses generally do not have service charges, so it means there's a better cash flow. Now, bigger properties mean more investment to buy those properties. However, if bigger properties can be used as HMOs, houses of multiple occupation, or they could be used as large service accommodation units, and those two strategies are my favorite strategies in the current market. There's also a good exit strategy to sell houses. Really, if you're selling apartments, you're probably going to be selling to other investors. Most people don't aspire to buy their own apartment unless, of course, they live in somewhere like London. Most people aspire to buy houses, especially as their families expand. So there's generally a really good demand for houses, particularly ones that uh, new homeowners might want to move into. So... For this reason, I think we see better capital growth in houses than we see in apartments. That's certainly been my personal experience over the last 28 years of investing. So my favorite is definitely buying houses. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy apartments. They can work well in certain circumstances. But I think generally, in my opinion, houses are better. Of course, you need more money to buy houses because they're generally more expensive. But if they give you a lot more cash flow than an apartment might do because you're using them as HMO or service accommodation, then if you've got lots of profit, the money required to put in at first doesn't necessarily have to be your money, it could be borrowed from a joint venture partner or an investor. Where do you meet these people who might be prepared to invest with you? Well, obviously going to property network meetings is a good place. Going to property training events is also really good because at training events, people who've got money, they're smart, they realise they should educate themselves, they go to property training and they think, oh, well, I've got this money, but I don't necessarily have the time, I don't really want to put the effort in. And they might joint venture with people who maybe do have the time or prepared to do the hard work to find the property in the first place. So that's how you can find joint venture partners. I do hope this episode has been useful as usual to give you a little bit of an insight and to make you a more successful investor. Um, My general view, as I said, is houses are better than apartments. If you've got value from this, I highly recommend you subscribe to this podcast. It's completely free, comes out every Tuesday. And if you subscribe, you'll be notified when the next episode comes out so you don't miss any of these valuable episodes. The other thing I'd like to ask you to do, if you've got value from this, I would love it if you could give me a five-star recommendation. Wherever you regularly download your podcast from, there's probably the option for you to write a review, a five-star review saying what you get out of it would be really appreciated because other people will be able to find this podcast with lots of five-star reviews and things, and also they can start benefiting from listening as well. So I'd really appreciate it if you're getting value from this podcast, if you could give me a five-star review and let people know what you get out of it every single month. Until next time, remember to always invest in knowledge, Invest with skill.